Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So welcome to Insight LA Long Beach Sunday Sit. So we're going to continue today talking about a text um, called the 37 Practices of the Bodhisattva. So a little bit of background is that um, this text was written by a 14th century Lama that was an incarnation of the Buddha of Compassion. And this text is a reference to how to become uh, a bodhisattva. This is somebody who has, has, has had this sincere wish in the past to reach enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. A bodhisattva is one who, who on purpose does not leave the manifested world, but keeps coming back and incarnating for the benefit of all beings. So this would be similar to an avatar, a Jesus, a Buddha, a Krishna, Mother Teresa, Gandhi, right? The Dalai Lama is, is considered a bodhisattva, right? And so here we're cultivating something called bodhicitta. So bodhicitta is like the currency that we're working with. So for a spiritual aspirant to become enlightened, you know, in this methodology, one would accumulate this bodhicitta. And bodhicitta is this sincere wish that we're talking about, this sincere wish to, to reach enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. And then as we accumulate this, it's almost like we have you know, a, an epiphany, an enlightenment experience where we just so become so consumed with this bodhicitta, this compassion, this love, that we merge with our true nature. It's really important to note, because you'll see that compassion, especially in the beginning of this text, love and compassion, and this really kind of, we're going to go over today, this unreasonable love and compassion. It's like almost to a fault. It's, it's when we read it, we're like, what? Like, that doesn't even make sense to have that much love and compassion, right? if there's such a thing. And what we're, what we're moving towards is ultimate truth. And the ultimate truth is this insight or on the other side of compassion is wisdom, right? So true wisdom. True wisdom is when we have an experiential taste that there is no such thing as other, right? So there's no self and other. There's no sub- subject object. So we just merge with, with this. And innately present in that experience naturally arising compassion is waiting for us right so these these this wisdom these insights lead and and penetrate the veil of delusion and we arrive into this state of uh, awareness in buddhism they say emptiness which is not empty of it's not empty of it's not um, it's not a void it's just no thingness right so we get these penetrative insights, which allows us to, to grow infinitely in our ability to love and to have compassion for all beings. And yet, if we practice love and compassion for all beings, this leads to insight. 
you see. So they both work together. The more that we have love and compassion, the more insight becomes available. The more actual experiential insight that we have, the more innately we have love and compassion. So just remember this as we, as we move along today. I'm going through these, this section. All right, so we are on... Actually, I'm just going to give a quick little overview. So the first section, what we've already gone through, we're on verse 16 now. So the opening verses have to do with the preparation. So the preparation, for those of you that have the textual outline... Um, we talked about how, just having gratitude for this precious human life, to be aware of the three poisons of attachment, aversion, and ignorance. And ignorance in this doesn't mean academic ignorance. It means ignorance to how things actually are. Right? So meditating on this, attachment, and aversion, and ignorance. Relying on solitude, mindfulness of impermanence and death. And this is really what spurs us on, our motivation which is really, really huge. We could have the, the exact technique that will bring us to enlightenment, but if we don't have any motivation to practice, we're just going to watch football, drink beer, hit the beach, right? We live in so- Southern California, so there's a, a lot more. There's many more fun things that we could be doing right now, but instead we're in here, right? So we have motivation to practice. This is amazing. So to meditate on that. Giving up bad company, relying on a spiritual mentor, taking refuge. And taking refuge is taking refuge that in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, but really it's just taking refuge to our inner peace. Right? Taking refuge in that. That we're going to find happiness inside. And so all of us have come to realize that to at least a tiny, tiny extent if we're here, right? So then it goes on to the main teachings. Uh, and the different paths that we could practice. And yeah, and then we're going, we had a great talk on Tonglen, which we're actually gonna do again today. And this is the formal practice. So there's sitting practices that we could do to generate this bodhicitta. And then now we're into the informal practices that we could do as life, as we meet life and life's challenges, how do we react in the way that a bodhisattva would react. And so here it gets to the point of, of the text, which if we're just reading it through, we can kind of understand the words. There's not like any, you know, any deeper meaning to this. It's all, doesn't need a lot of unpacking like some of the other concepts. We need to kind of go into deeper teachings. This is all pretty self-explanatory, but extremely difficult to do. So as we read through them, we're going to read through them, and then we're going to go more into practice because... We could want to do these things, like be infinitely compassionate in all these different ways. But if we don't really have it inside, it's going to be pretty much impossible to actually act upon. Um, so let's just, let's just read through these. Um, so last time we went through tra- transferring loss into the path, transferring, uh, transforming sorry, suffering into the path, transforming blame into the path, transforming criticism into the path. And now we're moving into two things that are difficult to bear, which is betrayal mm-hmm. and, der- and derision. Mm-hmm. Derision? What is derision? Yeah, this is like, um, 
when someone's holding you in, into contempt, um, kind of making fun of you and think things like this, especially somebody who you've been kind to in the past, and then transforming poverty and transforming wealth um, into the path. Okay, so I'm going to start on verse 16. I'm just going to read these through all the, all together. Even if someone for whom one has cared as lovingly as one's own child regards one as an enemy, to cherish that person as dearly as a mother does an ailing child is the Bodhisattva's practice. 17. Even if, influenced by pride, an equal or inferior person treats one with contempt, Respectfully placing that person like a guru at the crown of one's head is the bodhisattva's practice. I know, I know, these aren't sitting well with us. Like, why, why would we do that? 18. Though one may have had an impoverished life, always be disparaged by others, afflicted by dangerous illness and evil spirits, to be without discouragement, and to take upon oneself all the misdeeds and suffering of beings is the Bodhisattva's practice. 19. Though one may be famous and revered by many people or gain wealth like that of, and I can't say that person's name, Vajravana, Vajravana, having realized that worldly fortune is without essence, to be unconceited is the Bodhisattva's practice. Okay, we'll stop there for right now. <clears throat> so I always preface, you know, these verses and the ones before it were just, you know, one of them, um, you know, verse 13 we covered last time is, even if others try to cut off one's head when one is utterly blameless, taking upon oneself all their negative deeds by the power of compassion is a bodhisattva's practice. Again, it seems unreasonable. So, so these are actually actually taken from an ultimate sense um, type of perspective. So if we really know that there is no other, so we have that experiential hit. There is no other. All beings that we look at are ourselves, right? Oneness, when we have a, a real true hit of this, then we could act in this way, right? So there's multiple accounts of saints doing this, just exchanging themselves for others. Multiple accounts of, of Buddha giving his life you know, in other incarnations for these beings. There's the one of the tigress when the tigress was starving and he gave his life for the cubs um, so she could feed her cubs. There's another one, kind of a, sounds kind of funny, but it was a, there was an incarnation of the Buddha when he was a, big sea turtle, and he had, he had found out that there's a, with his clairvoyance, this uh, omniscient sea turtle, he knew that there was a ship that was sinking. Did she need to come in? I'll get her over here. Okay. The ship was sinking, so the Buddha went to this, sheeping, the, the, this sinking ship and, and saved several of the drowning uh, drowning people, yes, sailors on the ship, right? 
And then the, the turtle went to the beach and was getting eaten alive, went to sleep and was getting eaten alive by all these insects. And instead of going into the ocean and knowing that all these insects would be killed, he said, you know, when I reach enlightenment, may all these beings come with me and reach enlightenment too. So it's like an aspiration, a wish, a bodhisattva's wish. And so when he attained enlightenment, then all these beings came with him too to attain enlightenment. And, you know, th these are like... Um, these are parables and stories, and whether or not they're they're authentic and their uh, their truthfulness. What we want to really experience is how free are we in this situation, right? So Katie and I were watching a movie the other night, and it was about it was based on a true story of this couple who were scuba divers. They went on vacation and they were scuba diving. And they um, were obviously dropped off in the, into, into the water, and then they're supposed to come back at a certain time. And the, the boat was going to pick up everybody and, of course, take everyone home. Well, they miscounted <laughs> how many people ab aborted uh, the boat, <coughs> came back from the dive, and then they took off without them. And they were in shark infested waters, right? So the story does not have a happy ending, right? They, they perish. But, and, and the movie is you know, about, of course, them sitting in this water and, and dealing with the fear of having these, having these sharks eat them alive. And so it made me think of you know, when they asked the Buddha, what did you gain with enlightenment? Is that famous saying? He says, well, I haven't gained anything, but let me know. What, I'll, I'll let you know what I've gotten rid of. I've gotten rid of all fear. I have no fear. No fear of death. No fear of anything. I've gotten rid of anxiety. I've gotten rid of depression. I've gotten rid of anger. I've gotten rid of jealousy. So I was thinking, what an amazing feeling that it would have been to be free from the fear of death in that situation. Not only free of the fear of death, but to lay back in that ocean with immense compassion and know that you're not your body. You know that the body is just a temporary capsule of consciousness, right? And with divine love in your heart to say, oh, these, these beautiful sentient beings, these sharks need to eat. I'm going to offer my body to them without fear. Now, how incredible would that be? Really incredible. That'd be really, really incredible. <laughs> it really would be, right? It'd be really incredible. <laughs> Let's go test it out. We have the ocean right there. <laughs> Hungry sharks. I mean. <laughs> He's the quickest to the Bodhisattva, right? Is that how the movie ends? They... That's how the movie ends. With not, not them offering it freely, <laughs> but in fear of being alive, yeah. So, and let's just back that up. We have these beautiful sentient beings, these 
these treasures in our life, right? We call them precious jewels. You know, the precious jewels are the beings in our life that push our buttons, that are some, sometimes very angry towards us, right? And so how beautiful it would be if we reach into our heart of compassion and know that if somebody's angry, if somebody's frustrated, if somebody's jealous, they're suffering greatly, right? We know this. We know that when we're suffering, we act out. We can just look within. We can know this very easily. When we're suffering, we're not our best, yeah? And so what this is saying is that being fully aware of ultimate truth of no other. There's no other. And know that ultimately we want to love ourselves, and sometimes we don't, right? And we want to love others like we love ourselves, right? which is infinitely. And because, not because we're trying to even be a bodhisattva and free all beings that are numberless, right? But because it feels good now. You know, like Tenzin Namsel, when he was talking about Tonglen and the Buddha, in Buddhism, we never want to say this feels good, like, <laughs> right? Because we don't want any conceptualization or anything. So where other traditions are bliss, 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 rarely are we going to hear that in Buddhism. It's just like this is, you know, just take it as it is. But with that said, this feels good, <laughs> right? This feels good. It feels good to forgive. It feels good to give. It feels good to be compassionate even when others are not compassionate to us, right? When an argument, when we start getting, when somebody's angry and then it triggers our anger and then we get angry, like in that moment, how good does it feel to be angry, right? Even, even like um, gossip, how good does gossip feel, really? How good does it feel to like feel that, like I'm better than them? Oh, you know, so-and-so did this and that. Just checking in. Does that feel as good as a hug? Does that feel as good as just a nice, warm hug? No? Right? And this goes back to like really intense. This practice is intense self-compassion. So enlightenment comes from an intense self-compassion that... I absolutely want to be happy. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Act, I'm not going to rest until I found this absolute happiness that has no condition upon external stimulus. Like nothing external is going to bring me happiness. That's the first thing. This death and impermanence, the foundation, right? Absolutely nothing. Ask any rock star. They'll tell you. Nothing. So these things, again, they're not hard to understand, right? I'll just read one of them again. So it's not hard to understand that how we should act if somebody for whom one has cared as lovingly as one own child regards one as an enemy, to cherish that person as dearly as a mother does an alien child is the bodhisattva's practice. So we understand that, right? 
but then how did we get there? And so this goes back to the formal practice. So this is a moment, right? So here we are, you know, you're a mother, you're a father, and you cared for this dear child, you know, fed them, changed their diapers and all that, and they're screaming, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And my mom would always say, I remember yelling at my mom, I hate you, and she just looked at me, she says, no, you don't. <laughs> um, so funny. So this is life is happening, right? But if we don't spend the time on the cushion, now it's really great to read that verse daily. That'd be fantastic to know, to be awake and aware. Okay, this is a moment. But if we cannot reach into an experiential taste, this source of love and compassion, if we are not able to find that in meditation, which is when we're not getting yelled at, (laughs) right? Or we go into retreat where everything's kind of nice and tidy, and we're not getting this barrage of, of assault, verbal assault. If we don't taste it there, we're probably not going to remember to just exude this peaceful love and compassion when we're getting that, right? Now, if we forget to practice during these moments and just go into retreat when everything's nice and beautiful and practice there, and to think that that's going to work in all these situations without actually making the effort to do so, we're not going to get very far either. Right, so they each, we need, they each have their place. Like sometimes the most growth is in those moments that we can overpower our anger with love and compassion, right? our jealousy with love and compassion. I always think it's so beautiful, this story, you know, when Buddha meets Mara. So Buddha is saying, okay, underneath the Bodhi tree, I'm going to meditate till I'm enlightened. Nothing's going to stop me. There's, I think, what, 21,000, the text say 21,000 demons came and threw everything at him. You know, wrathful deities came and, and all these beauties came for desire. And he just meditated on love and compassion. That's it. He just kept meditating on love and compassion. And, and then everything subsided and he gained clarity. So it's like that. When we have wrathful forces arising in, in our daily life, we have these great desires that we know are impermanent, that are and nothing wrong with, with acting out desires, except sometimes we do really bad things for selfish desires, right? So that's when it pulls us off, right? And then we suffer. Right? So with that said, as, as the text is what it is, I want to go ahead and go through an actual practice of Tonglen and a little bit of Metta today. So let's actually, <coughs> let's actually marinate a little bit in this. How many people have done Tonglen? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so I'm just going to set this up a little bit. And, and the first thing I'm going to do is give you full permission not to do this practice. <laughs> this, this practice is um, really, really amazing. And I remember the first time I heard it, I thought, I'm not going to do this. No way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's exchanging self for others, or tonglen means uh, giving, taking, taking, giving, tonglen. 
and we're taking on the suffering of other beings. And we actually visualize it in the form of black smoke. So you visualize a suffering being in front of you. And on the inhalation, you visualize that their suffering is leaving their body. And then it accumulates out in front of you like black smoke. And then you continue to inhale, and you inhale that suffering, right? Just pure intention. And as you inhale the, the suffering in the form of black smoke, because of this intention of wanting to take that on yourself, it transforms into this brilliant light. And I like the text where it transforms into a lightning bolt. So it's a lightning bolt of light. And this comes down and crashes on to your heart. And you can visualize your heart with uh, a, a little a black shell around your heart. And this is what we call the self-cherishing aspect or the selfish, selfish part of the heart, right? So that lightning bolt comes down and crashes on the self-cherishing aspect of the heart. And, and thereby, the heart explodes with this divine love, light, absolute perfect healing. It illuminates the entire being. Every cell of the body is vibrating with absolute perfection. Your entire being is vibrating with absolute perfection. And then on the exhale, as you're filled with this divine light, on the exhale, you're exhaling and giving this perfection, this light, this healing to the other individual, right? So you're taking on their suffering, right? And then you're filling up your body with light. And then on the exhalation, you're giving that back. Now, if you haven't practiced this, you're not going to be able to do that all on one inhale and one exhale, okay? <laughs> You'll get it eventually. It doesn't matter. That could be three or four inhales, right? And then, you know, whatever. You're holding that. You're doing the visualization. So I'm going to be talking that out. I'm going to just repeat that a few times. I'm going to repeat that. You just go at your own pace. And I remember, you know, my early, early years, I was like an energy healer. It's like... Studied with Master Cho Kuk Sui with pranic healing, and I thought, there's no way I'm going to bring in black prana, black, black chi into my aura, my perfect aura. You know what I mean? There's no way. Well, this practice is so amazing, and you're not. As, it, as this black smoke comes in, you visualize it transforming into this brilliant light. Remember, the power of your compassion is transforming this light, right? And so it's a transformation. It's not like we're taking it in and now we're suffering. That's not it. We're transforming it for them, right? And then exhaling, all right? Okay, any questions before we get started? And if this one's not for you, totally get it. Just maybe feel, feel some love and compassion in your heart. You could do a meta practice. You could just emanate love and compassion to yourself or to others, okay? So let's just start the practice by remembering a moment of kindness. So remember a time when you received kindness 
maybe you were on the giving end, like you gave kindness. No matter how small. And just feel where that emanates in your heart. Whatever that means to you, your heart center. Where do you feel that? Where do you feel kindness arising? stay with that feeling. And the next, visualizing somebody that you may know that is going through a difficult time. And maybe take a light suffering for now as you're just practicing Somebody you know who's going through a light suffering. This also could be a group of people that you heard of in the news. The victims in Italy, for example, the earthquake. And it could also be yourself. We cannot give what we don't have. So generating love and compassion in ourself is wonderful. So just visualizing this person in your mind's eye or a group of people in your mind's eye, seated out before you. And again, you're gonna go at your own pace. But inhaling and as you inhale, you're setting a deep intention, most important part. I wish to take on the suffering of this being, this group of people. May they be happy, may they be free from suffering. Visualizing this suffering accumulating in the form of black smoke out before you. Continuing on the inhalation, this black smoke enters your body and the moment that it moves into the body is transformed to brilliant white light. Intensifies into a lightning bolt coming down, crashing on the self-cherishing aspect of your heart. All selfishness moves away. And within you feel an explosion of light, of love, of compassion, every cell of your being is illuminated, vibrating with divine perfection. All emotional, mental, physical, spiritual delusion has vanished. All negative karmas have been extinguished. 
and on the exhalation, all this accumulated light in your being, all this healing, you exhale. You exhale into this person or group of people and you watch as their suffering vanishes. They too are lit up with this light, are filled to the brim with divine perfection. All of their suffering taken away, smiling and happy. So you could stay with the same person and just saying if any residual suffering is still present, I wish to take on their suffering. You could of course start with another person too as you go through. I say just stay with that same person or group of people at your own pace, inhaling, setting the intention, watching the accumulation of black smoke, continue to inhale as it's transformed into a lightning bolt that crashes down on the self-cherishing aspect of heart. Feel yourself illuminated, completely free of all obstacles between yourself and bliss. Feeling an absolute bliss present and exhaling love and light back to them. So just continue on at your own pace.
just finishing up. So it would be great to break into maybe some smaller groups just to chat about that. Um, but being that might be a new technique to some people, I just want to open it up. If anyone has any, any questions um, before we do that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. When I was doing it for this person, um, the black smoke actually transformed into this light after a period of time. Is that mm. It's like when you brought out the black smoke even before it entered your body. Well, it was like I just I kept pulling it out and then transmuting it into the, the light. And it's almost like I was breathing that into them. And it cycled. Like yeah. Time, right, right. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. All the experiences are valid. You know, like when we're doing this, it's so important to make it our own. And when we experience something like that, so she was just saying out of black smoke, there was no more black smoke. Um, and it's just like this circulation of light is really beautiful. Yeah, that's great. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.